Well, uh, Bart, thank you. Thank you for joining me here today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me, David. I really appreciate it. So first, uh, I'd like to begin with just a simple question about about you and and your story. So tell us a little bit about who Bart Little John is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just growing up, I would say typical, but it was a little bit atypical. Uh, grew up in Tennessee, but then moved to Texas and then also moved to Kansas. My dad had a job in sales, so that kept us moving. I ended up going, I, th- I thought about it the other day, I ended up going to like four different elementary schools as a kid. So uh, it really tested my resolve to go ahead and make new friends and, uh, you know, kind of acclimate myself to new conditions. But my parents were really cool about it. They kind of treated it as a game to get my sister and myself uh, ready to kind of take on the world that way, to have that willing to willingness to explore and willingness to learn. Um, that was a pretty, pretty big part of our household. And they really did a good job to foster that. When we stopped in Kansas, we kind of settled down, uh, stayed in Kansas for a while and uh, ended up going to junior high, as it was known at the time. I think it's middle school now. I'm that old. <laughs> but uh, it ended up going to high school as well uh, in Olathe when they only had three high schools. Now, I'm not sure, but it's it's Johnson County's just blown up. Did that whole thing and, uh, you know, just played sports, went to school, did my thing and then came to KU because, you know, it was one of the places that was affordable and it was nearby. And I just felt really comfortable at the university when I did my visit. So came to KU, went here, met a lot of great people, met a lot of great friends and graduated with a degree in political science. Um, And this was one of those folks that, you know, just loved the community so much that I decided to stick around. And and in doing so, ended up working a lot of jobs around town. Um, I, I was thinking about it the other day as well. I was like, man, wow I was like that's probably where I know that person from or that that person from but it was like I worked at the East Hills Business Center uh, one of those call centers I, I worked uh, insurance I worked uh, for the GCSA which is the Golf Course Superintendents Association I was a golf uh, government relations coordinator for them uh, worked for crew network which is another association um, and uh, you know I, I just kind of did that and also I just ended up settling down to my current position, which is uh, with Pinnacle Technology, where I'm a marketing manager. And it's primarily a company that deals with uh, selling research equipment to research facilities and universities that deal with brain research, you know, things like sleep, seizure, um, and diseases like Alzheimer's. So, um, but yeah, so, and, you know, kind of settle in there. And that was in itself a little bit interesting because I did that during like last year during the beginning of the pandemic which was <laughs> it was like uh, it was one of those it's like I tell my wife it's like yeah so how about I have a new gig when everything is up in the air <laughs> as you can suspect uh, my wife who's a very understanding person uh, more so than myself was like Okay, I assume you thought about this and thought this through, and it's like, oh no, no, I think it'll work. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I work with a great group of people here at Pinnacle, and uh, and then uh, 
yeah, so it's worked out great. And uh, also um, just being here as well in the town, I've had an opportunity to participate in a lot of nonprofits and uh, a lot of uh, community civic minded organizations uh, done, you know, participate and helped out with junior achievements. Uh, been a part of the St. Uh, Patrick's Day uh, Parade Committee here for Lawrence uh, and chaired their rogue bowling event for a while, uh, which, you know, I would always endorse people to go out and try it's it's a really really fun fun time and they do a great job with it and all that money goes to children's charities and then also uh, was the recent president of the pinky neighborhood association i uh, did that for a while and i'm currently a chair of the parks and rec advisory board and also i'm a part of the douglas county steering committee for the health plan and we're working on a new health improvement plan so um but yeah it's as you can see i've kind of had stuck in town and done my part and wanted to become an integral part of the community. And kind of going off of your your comment about uh, studying political science, it seems like you've wanted to, you're stuck with that, at least that aspect of, of uh, being involved in politics. What uh, interested you enough about uh, politics to study political science? What was sort of the draw to it? Well, it's uh, the thing is, is I know that we had a previous conversation earlier uh, off off, you know, off recording. Uh, you know, getting to know each other. Uh, but, and we're just talking about fathers and, you know, kind of how they influence the things you do, even when you're not realizing. So in that vein, my father got his degree in political science and I told myself, I will not do that because, because I love my dad, but it was just like, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. You know, I've got this plan, you know? So I started off in like a couple of di- couple different majors at KU, like business engineering. And I was just like, and then when I, you know, took a couple computers or not computer, but political science courses, I was just like, huh, it's just like a light bulb went off and things made sense. And I was just like, why didn't I just start this in the beginning? And just, because, you know, you didn't want to be like your dad. So, um, but yeah, so I just, I kind of flew through those and it was a lot of fun to me just learning about systems and how people were able to work in that system and like work together within those systems. And uh, and also coupled that with philosophy, you know, your, your game of trade. So, um, and, you know, just figuring out different ways to think about things, giving myself different perspectives and creative ways to tackle you know, subjects and objects and, you know, situations. So um, I just found that type of thinking really, really interesting. And, you know, I just try to apply it to everything I can. Um, I almost wish I would have gotten a double, double major in philosophy as well, because I really do find that interesting. Yeah. I mean, as, as uh, I'm not sure, I mean, from, from, you know, from a parent side of things, if how lucrative that would have done, would have been, Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, I would, uh, I would recommend that everybody at least minor in philosophy. Oh, no, no. And, and, and it's very much in the same vein as you're talking about, because usually now not not to offend you and and your your choice of degree. But usually the way I explain the political science to people, you know, who are not not familiar is like it's like philosophy with a little bit of credibility. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like, you know, um, it's applied to, you know, greater systems and, uh, you know, uh, you know, that, that kind of component. But whereas, you know, philosophy, philosophy is a little bit more abstract and um, you're, you're taking intangible and trying to, you know, realize that. So. No, that's, that's a fair, that's a fair hit, I guess. I mean, it's uh, a, <laughs> although... <laughs> no. 
but it is though. <laughs> but it is though. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, but I will say um, that uh, you know political science took quite a bit of a hit after the 2016 election. There's. I don't know if you heard this conversation. I don't know if you got wind of that, but uh, that was, you know, there's, cause you know, part of political science is predicting the predictive part of what's going to happen in a given election. And, and that was, you know, that, that was the year where just about everyone was wrong. Oh, I deserve that. I deserve that. I, I know, man, it's all good. Um, but yeah, it's, and, and, you know, and, and just to kind of, in all seriousness, to bring it back around, that's why I kind of, that's why I kind of like both. You know that kind of dichotomy. Um, there, there is a little bit more, um, not necessarily. It's it's a little bit more grounded in data, uh, political science, because like you're saying, like polling and things of that sort. You know, just trying to figure out exactly where people stand on things. Um, but I, I do like the freedom of philosophy that you know it gives you an opportunity to opportunity to really explore the room, and and you're not really constrained. Um, by by any sort of method or method methodology or any sort of thinking that way. So, um, but yeah, it's you know I will wholly agree. Um, it, nobody really got it right that year. Uh, it was just I, I. It was just one of those weird circumstances that I think something had been building up and had been in the background for a long time that people had often ignored or not really paid, wanted to pay attention to. And then it finally just rose up. And then it was like, oh, oh, this is all of a sudden. But when you look deeper and you do the research and it's like, no, there were signs that this was happening over the last 20 or 30 years, that, that, that this was coming. It just took this special circumstance and this, and this special group of people or the special person to go ahead and manifest it. So. Yeah, no, agreed. I think, uh, I think I'd rather have uh, someone err on the side of, you know, what is the data telling me rather than not have or not have a, a base uh, baseline of data and, and facts to, to back up one's claims, at least uh, like that's what, that's what the science is or the, the polling science is about is, you know, this is what the information we were giving and we just didn't have uh, the right sort of, or the, a, a complete picture. And, and that's not at all. We, but all we can do is base our, uh, our predictions on on the picture that we are given, and I think people just voted differently, and and there's just there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of underlying things that that uh, they couldn't possibly have data on, and it's just uh, that's just how it came out. Yeah, yeah, it's I, and, and I, I think you're right, and it's like a lot of it's we weren't asking the right questions. We were asking questions we wanted answers to instead of questions they wanted answers to. You know, um, you know that kind of thing. So. That was a nice sort of tangent. Uh, uh, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you sort of indulging me in that. Um, so this next question, uh, getting back to your your campaign here, is uh, what brought you to or what compelled you to to run this year? What sort of issues have compelled you to to put your name on the ballot? Um, like you you mentioned that you know politics obviously has been uh, an interest of yours. You seem to be in somewhat in some sense. Uh, naturally inclined uh to you know put your you know meet other people to to learn about or be part of your community in a meaningful way but what sort of things brought you to that uh that point of putting your name on the ballot this year 
Well, it's uh, kind of alluding to our earlier conversation. I was starting to see holes. You know, I was starting to see holes in the conversation. I was starting to see holes in the process. And I was starting to see people left out. Um, and in that, you know, I, I, those are people that need to be heard. You know, and people that are underrepresented or under, under, underserved. Um, and, you know, it, I think a lot of the time we've been, you know, talking at or about these people not talking with them. So, um <laughs> In the course of that, I, I was just like, so what am I going to do about this? Am I going to sit on the sideline or am I just going to be an observer or am I going to am I going to be an active participant? You know, kind of that thing of service that, you know, I alluded to earlier with my father and, uh, you know, my parents and the way it brought us up. So uh, I decided to go ahead and dip my toe in and go ahead and serve and, and see if I could help. And in doing so, the, the way I do that best is by starting conversations and just talking to people and getting that information and, and exchanging ideas, because I think that's the best way you come up with solutions. So um, I, I did it like starting with, you know, I've been doing it this entire time, actually. I just um, I've, I've been campaigning and, and before when I was with Pinkney. So I mean, I know recently I was talking with uh, sanitation workers, you know, just kind of getting a sense of what they do in their day to day and, you know, how what we're missing and what we can do better and other union workers and similarly to, to get a sense of what what we can do better for them and also just like talking to people in education um, how how we could help them and just specifically in terms of the city like how we could attach the components of education to you know help us with business or to you know help foster new businesses or small businesses or just even and this doesn't even necessarily have to be a high school to college pipeline but maybe a high school to peasley pipeline or a high school to some other trade pipeline you know are we missing anything there do we need to incorporate businesses on a more integral level to go ahead and make it more effective um and then of course you know if you've seen my campaign you know i really care a lot about social services i, I think that um they're doing yeoman's work and for not great pay um that you know there a lot of them are doing like two jobs and when they you know or three jobs when, you know, and it's to totally overextending themselves. And you never want that because that's how people burn out. And then you lose those really great people that really, really care a lot about the community. So, um, and uh, yeah, just things of that sort and just talking to people in the arts as well, just because, you know, they're generally overlooked and um, a lot of them tend to be frontline workers and they work in multiple jobs, like, you know, a lot of people do and have, you know, during the pandemic and, you know, before and, and are living on the margins and, you know, what do they think? So um, just a lot of that and, you know, just conversations and trying to get a note, get, get to know people in this town and how I can help them. And, and your observations about, um, you know, the, those who those voices who have been underserved and who haven't been really part of the conversation. What do you think the city can do to better involve these voices? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, a great deal of it is just outreach and communication, um, making sure you meet them where they are, because, you know, like I said before, a lot of these people, a lot of these folks have to work multiple jobs to make ends meet. So they don't necessarily have the time to go to a 12 o'clock meeting or an 11 o'clock meeting or something during the middle of the day because they've got to work multiple jobs or multiple shifts. So figure out in a way to accommodate them so they can go ahead and have a voice in the process as well. Um, and in doing so, you know, it's the city's 
probably got to work on also alleviating some of that pressure surrounding them. So, you know, like working on childcare or, you know, working on a way to, you know, for family leave. So if they, they have those emergencies or things of that sort, or working on ways that if they want to progress from the job that they have, not, not that necessarily everybody does, but if they want to, that they have these avenues to, and to set up those resources for them that they can go ahead and do that or get more training or or even if they want to start a small business, which would be great because towns like ours thrive on, you know, those frontline workers or that working class or people who want to start small businesses. They, they're the people that make our towns because those are the people that are contributing to the tax base. Those are the people that are contributing to schools. Those are the people that are contributing like contributing to civic organizations. Those are the people that are really the lifeblood of towns. Um, so doing that and finding ways to get those people more involved. A sort of related issue is uh, something I've seen and I think has been made note of uh, over the last few few years, at least a few years that I've been here is uh, the lower, uh, the low voter turnout. Right. Right. It's it, I think it sits around 20, 25 percent uh, of, of eligible voters that actually come out and vote. Um, it see, that seems uh, sort of it, it would be understandable for folks to think that those who've been elected don't really represent everyone when there's such a low voter turnout. Do you think there is something that the city can do better in terms of getting that number to go up? Well, yeah, it's I mean, uh, and there are multiple factors in that because, you know, especially when they're off your elections, when they're not presidential elections, you definitely get that lower turnout as well, Um, because presidential elections naturally just galvanize people and get their attention. They want to participate a little bit more, but especially in those off your elections. Yeah, it's devastating because it's like, you know, or it's truly disappointing to a person like myself who has that degree and understands how important that, you know, playing a part of the process is because that's that's the way you affect change. Um, that's the way you, you let your voice be heard. And, and I don't want to see people miss out on that or, you know, uh, take it for granted because that's the way that, you know, people who have that influence and people who have that power just roll over you. So, yeah, you, you, you pose a great question. I mean, the only way I know how to do is just to work hard and get out there and, you know, and work some shoe leather and just meet people face to face and just put myself out there over and over again and be like, vote, um, please vote. I don't care if you can vote for me, just vote for somebody, be a part of the process, because that's the way that you can help not only yourself, but your family, but like people after you, because that's the way that, you know, you can also affect the census because, you know, if people don't realize how, how great a role that plays, you know, in terms of, you know, power in later generations, you know, uh, of people noticing how many people are concentrated in areas. So that means how many resources you get, like from not only now, but years down the line. So all of that plays a part. Um, but yeah, it's there's definitely a disconnect. And I think we've got to do a better job of getting that message out. And so this next question is, uh, as I as I've, I think we've made note of, is uh, maybe a bit theoretical, a bit philosophical, is um, what do you take to be the role of a city commissioner? Like, sort of ideas and principles you think are important in in thinking about how you can be a good city commissioner? I I think 
in my mind, it takes, you know, multiple parts. So you got to be able to work with people. So you got to be able to sit in a group of people who might not always be like-minded individuals and figure out a way to go through this process. Not only that, you have to be able to express yourself to other people to go ahead and inform them of your process. Also, a part of that is just thinking about things in the short term and the long term, because in that role as a city commissioner, you'll always have things that'll come up that'll take your immediate attention, but that can't distract you from these 15 to 20 year plans that you must have in mind when you're thinking about a city's growth or a city's potential. Because if you're always thinking from you know, short-term action to short-term action, you're never really gonna get anything done and make any sort of sustainable change. At least I'm convinced that way. And also you've got to advocate for people. You've got to make sure as we were talking before, that you're thinking not only of the people that speak up, but the people who don't. Um, because those are the people that, you know, necessarily that given circumstances, you know, as we've talked before, work or anything or like that, or have you, they're too busy to go ahead and participate in the process. But that doesn't mean that they need to be ignored. That means that you probably need to try harder to go ahead and see exactly what their needs are and how you can meet them. So, and all that comes under the shell of bringing those people together and figuring out how to every, every sort of part plays a piece in that puzzle and how you can get that plan and that initiative going forward and how you can bring everybody on board as much as you can. And so this, uh, this next question is kind of about the values of the city. Right. You've you've spent enough time. Uh, I believe it's it was 25 years. You said you spent here in Lawrence that might give you might have given you enough time to, you know, think seriously and considerably about the sort of values that are cherished by the community. What do you take to be those values? Um, and how important do you think it would be to your own decision making as a city commissioner? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think living in this town, this town loves people who want to contribute, who are willing to help and willing to listen. So by that, I mean, you know, actually willing to do something. And I don't know that people have to contribute at the level that I'm seeking, which is the level of city commissioner where, you know, you have your eye on a lot of things and you're going up on a lot of different directions. It can even be something as small as like, shoveling your neighbor's walk or, you know, working with senior citizens to go ahead and, you know, transport them places or, you know, serving food at a food kitchen or, you know, it's something grander. If you want to play a part of an organization like working for Just Food, where they, you know, provide pantries for for kids in schools, you know, that otherwise wouldn't have food or, you know, doing something during the middle of a pandemic, you know, to help people out like Ladybird. You know, just totally going in a different direction and making sure that people are fed. So everybody doing their part and everybody playing the part that they can to go ahead and make sure that everybody, you know, can do something with that. I, I think that that definitely plays a role. And, you know, to go ahead and scale it up and, you know, think about a commissioner, go ahead and having that mindset and making sure that you're helping people in that way. And, you know, every, every way you can. Related to the topic of, of voting, as you know, that, that there's there's currently uh, under consideration the possibility of Lawrence changing to a different system of, of elections uh, for city commissioners and uh, and the mayor. What sort of issues uh, or, or questions do you think are important um, in considering what 
what the city should do in this case or what direction the city should go? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I know I've seen a, a lot of uh, conversation on this and just been interested in, in seeing what direction this will go. Um, in my mind, right, just thinking about it, a directly elected mayor, I, you know, I, I really don't initially have a problem with. The only thing I worry about is when you elevate a position like that or give it that much status that, you know, eventually it will out, it'll outsize the rest of the commission. So that, you know, even if it's not intentional, um, that it might get to the point where it might necessitate its own staff and its own structure, like almost an executive branch to go ahead and maintain it. So that's a little bit of my worry with that. Although I can see the other side of it where you wanna go ahead and have that that, that position that can maintain, maintain that long-term thinking or that strategic thinking for the town, knowing that that'll be there for every four years. So that, you know, it's not um, beholden to uh, any sort of short-term interest or, you know, any anything like that. Regarding districts, that's a little bit more interesting as well because the reason why districts were started were because after the 60s, to give people a voice that they didn't otherwise have a voice that were in concentrated areas in a city. And it's usually for cities a lot bigger than ours. So it worked because then you would have people of marginalized populations having that voice and they could participate in the process. Now, Lawrence is a little bit different because our, our uh, populations are a little bit more disparate. They're not really concentrated. So you're not really achieving the goal that you want to with that. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, I'm not really sure if you would. I'd be interested to see if there are any sort of alternatives that we could go ahead and incorporate with that, because I understand where they're coming from with that, you know, with having a directly elected person representing a district. But I also understand the flip that's the flip side of that, where you can somehow venture into a parochialism where that person will only vote for that district's interest and doesn't really care about the rest of the city. So it's it'll be interesting. And I'm really, really glad that the city commission had enough foresight to say, hey, this is a really big question and these are really big circumstances. So we need to take our time with this and also put it to the opinion of the city to go ahead and decide this isn't something for us. So. Yeah, and I think I think there's also uh, a sort of year a year long period for public input, uh, which I think is also uh, important uh, for not just for the public input, but you know we're also in the middle of an election, and so it's to to me at least my my initial sort of concern not just with the recommendations themselves, but also, you know, making such a decision when, when there, when we are in the middle of election, you know, this is something that's going to be inherited by folks who maybe didn't, who didn't make that decision. Uh, this next question is going to be a bit more directed towards, you know, your responses about issues you think are, are, you know, important for the city to, to look, uh, to take on. You, you mentioned that and generally, you know, the equity housing and economic development, some of these issues are also being considered and uh, have a national sort of uh, part of a national discussion. Um, but it's also, I, I think important. Uh, and as, as many of the candidates might point out is there's something that the city itself can do for these, for these issues or responding to these sort of questions? Or what do you take to be the best sort of response that the city can do to addressing these issues? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, no, that's a great question. Like, you know, just pl- practical application of it. Uh, just start off with equity. Being on the Douglas County Steering Committee for the Health Plan gave me preview purview to, you know, some information that, you know, granted, I, it wasn't just especially me. I think the uh, Douglas County went ahead and shared that with a lot of people that, you know, in certain parts of the city, they live eight years longer than other parts just because of where you lived. You know, that that type of health disparity, you know, exists and it continues to. I mean, we're working on it, but, you know, it's it's inherent because this is also a product of a long time intentional plan with redlining and, you know, things of that sort of, you know, concentrating people in one area that usually wasn't the greatest area to begin with and making sure that they don't have access to those things that can help them. So it's going to take a long time to go ahead and, you know, turn that ship around. But at least having that data and knowing that this is present, they can help us with it. So in that vein, just doing things like making sure that we have health screenings going out to the community in a way, in a way that works for different populations, making sure we're addressing our food deserts because we have a couple of them in here in town. And uh, it's, we always talk about wanting to put a grocery store downtown, for example, but it never really seems to happen. And then you have those folks in North Lawrence or those folks in, you know, East Lawrence or the folks in Pinckney that have to go their separate directions to go to a grocery store, which probably shouldn't happen. You know, we need to figure out a way to go ahead and make sure that happened. And then also work with our entities, entities like Just Food to work with those populations that are most affected when we have these disruptions like we do with the pandemic. Because in Just Food's case, they're dealing directly with people who who feel that immediately because they're coming to their facility or their the kids are coming to their food pantry and because they don't have what they need. But in that case, they also have that data or the, or, or the, the means to go ahead and directly contact those folks just so that we can know exactly what they're missing and how we can help them. So just leaning on those partnerships with that. And then when you're talking about housing, I think just coming up, we have a plan regarding affordable housing, but not necessarily anything that addresses available housing or, you know, accessibility, because uh, as it was shown earlier this year, where we dipped down to below, I think, 40 houses in March for like a city of 100,000, which is ridiculous. Um, and that's you know, alluding to something we talked about earlier. That's that's part of a long time denaturing of, of the, the housing market and a long time lack of attention to it, uh, which is something we need to turn around and incorporate our partners and figure out a way to go ahead and both build up our housing and address the codes and regulations that might impede upon that, which to, you know, granted to its credit, the city is having those conversations now, which is great, but we need to go ahead and make sure those continue and we go ahead and foster those as well. So, um, but and then also just incorporating things like Rent Zero and other, you know, tenant-based organizations to go ahead and get a real sense of the concerns. And then when you come to economic development, 
I don't know if you've seen, but my whole mantra and my whole mentality is economic development for all, because I think for a lot of times we kind of look outward in, in terms of economic development, and we're always trying to attract the next big fish, you know, trying to attract all these companies to come in and give them incentives, which is great. I mean, that's a part of the process as well. But sometimes when we do that, we ignore the people who are right here. So, and I don't want that to happen because like I said before, these are folks that play an integral part in our community and work really hard here, pay their taxes here, have kids go to school here, go to church here, and you know, can live here when they can. So doing the things that we can go ahead and help them out, like I alluded before, you know, with skills training if they wanted, or just helping out folks that are coming out of the universities like yourself and or secondary institutions like Peasley or Haskell as well. I mean, Haskell University, which is often overlooked and finding a way for and a place for those folks as well, because they're they're a tremendous intellectual asset that we're just wasting and letting you know disperse across the country where they, they could really help us, you know, figure out some of the problems we have. So um, and then, you know, also just talking about addressing you know, poverty and addressing the ways that we can go ahead and turn that around, you know, through the child care that I was talking about and also with paid leave and then figuring out transportation for those folks and figuring out how to, you know, add to their skills if they wanted or, you know, figuring out ways for mentorships or any sort of small business uh, type of situation that we can go ahead and help them out with. And then lastly, downtown, which is just showing up. Uh, and I, I think this is also a process that's been happening in a while, but the, the pandemic really brought it to the forefront, figuring out what we want to do with that. Um, because, you know, right now we can apply that, you know, CARES Act money and the ARPA money, but what happens after that ends? You know, what's our plan, you know, after, you know, that money is gone and because it's, that money's not sustainable is a great way to get us started, but we need to figure out sustainable plans for downtown and how we want it to look and, you know, marry that with also with our historic preservation, which is important, but I do believe that down, you know, people make downtown. So we need to figure out a way to get people down there. So, and, you know, also incorporating affordable housing down there as well. For those who have been listening, for those who are, who are listening to you talk about your candidacy and the things that you, you want, or the perspective that you want to bring to, uh, to the board, to the city board here, uh, what do you, want them to take away from our conversation today? What do you think is the most crucial thing to for them to take away? What I want them to take away is that I will work hard and I will try to work with people and work for people. Um, I know that Lawrence is a great town and, but we're definitely, we're missing some things and we've got some holes. So I, I want to go ahead and try to address those as best I can. And, and I want to do it in a way that includes the most of us that, that I can, because alluding to our earlier conversation, I, I think we we've tended to silo ourselves and trying to think of everybody else as the other and which is, is great if you just want to throw stones across the wall, but if you actually want to get things done, you need to bring people together to, to work as a team. So that, that's what I think I'm really good at, and that's what I've done in Pinckney, and that's what I hope I can bring to the Lawrence City Commission, because I, I think that kind of teamwork and that and that kind of togetherness can foster a way that we can go ahead and solve both our long and short-term problems. And uh, I know we can do it. I believe in Lawrence, and I believe in all of you. Well, with that, Bart, you're off the hot seat. Thank you for joining me for this conversation today. 